Huh? You're invited. Yeah. Seniors, I want you to come. Yeah. yeah. They'll bring you one. You said a Bible? Yeah. They'll bring you one. Get y'all hooked up. <clears throat> Alright, as the Bibles are being distributed, we need some more over here. If you can bring some Bibles on over. Um, okay, here's what we're... Oh, I thought you were grabbing a Bible from over there. It's like, dude, that's Spanish, man. You don't know how to read that. Um, right, my bad, you do. Yes. Okay, if you could head back to the slide for me, that'd be great. Okay, if you would, in First Chronicles 23, um, let me tell you... Let me tell you what happens in the chapter, and then we're going to focus in on a few verses. So basically... First Chronicles 23 is um, just like 22 where David charges Solomon and he charges the princes of Israel and he's getting everyone uh, set up to, hey, you guys are going to build the temple. You're going to make it happen. Okay, now 23, David is like, okay, now we need to appoint and number the Levites. These are the people who are going to serve in the temple. That's where we're getting our servant of God terminology from he's like hey we got to get all these guys and we have to organize them so these thousands over here are going to do this job these thousands are going to do this etc etc does that make sense that's what chapter 23 is all about if you would though find verse 13 and verse 14 find 13 and 14 okay it says this this is where we're really going to focus um, for this first little chunk it says the sons of amram Aaron and Moses. How many of you, by show of hands, know who Aaron and Moses are? You have at least heard those names from the Bible, okay? A lot of you. If not, they're pretty um, popular or famous guys from the Bible, and so let's find something out about them. Aaron and Moses. And Aaron was separated, that he should sanctify the most holy things, he and his sons forever, to burn incense before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless in his name forever. Now... Now, concerning Moses, the man of God, his sons were named of the tribe of Levi. Okay, so here's what we find out about Aaron. Check it out. Aaron was what? What does the text say? Aaron was separated. Aaron was separated. Okay, so Aaron was separated. And I want to submit to you that just as Aaron was a servant of God, and as a servant of God, he was separated, you and I, as servants of God, are called to be separated. We're called to be separated. Okay, maybe, maybe you're like, what are you talking about? I'm not a servant of God. Dude. I don't even know God. Well, let me tell you this, okay? The Bible says, and it's very, very clear, the Bible says, if you don't know that you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... In other words, if you haven't ever at one point said, Jesus, I'm calling on you. Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. To save me from my sin. Because my sin is going to send me to hell. And God, I need you. Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Save me. If you haven't done that, you're not a servant of God. You're separated from God. And not a good separation. Okay, not the separation we're talking about. We're, we're going to talk about a good separation. If you haven't been saved, you need to put your faith and your trust, your whole life, into Jesus' hands. 
Does that make sense? If you have questions about that throughout the morning, please grab whoever brought you. There's like uh, several visitors and people who've come in and out over the years. If you haven't settled your salvation, get that settled today. Okay, but that's not the separation we're talking about. Aaron was separated. He was with God. He knew God. And just like him, we know God if you're a believer, if you're saved, and we're to be separated. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5 through 8 says this. Ye are all the children of light. Where has Sam been preaching? First Thessalonians 5. These verses. Okay, perfect. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. If it's daytime, do you go to sleep? Some of you, yes. You're like, actually, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You nailed it, right? Okay, but if we're, if we're called in Scripture children of the day, well, that means you're supposed to be awake, right? You're supposed to be alert. You're supposed to be sober. You're supposed to be active. You're supposed to be engaging in whatever work is at hand. You with me? Okay, that's different from the people who it says, uh, like in the next verse, therefore let us not sleep as do others. So there's some people who are awake because they're of the day, and there's some people who are asleep because they're of the night. That's different. That's as different as you can possibly be, right? How many of you would like to go to work at night and sleep during the day? Some of you think that that would be great. Philip, Philip and Nate both, Philip now leaves and goes to work, and he's there by 2.33, something like that. And then he gets off at what time? So he gets off at 11. I get off at 3. So when I get off, Philip goes to work, right? And then he works through the evening and into the night. Nate used to work from like 7 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Ask him how that was. You don't want to be of the night, is what I'm saying. You don't want to be of the night. You want to be different. You want to be separated from that. Just like light is separate from day. Does that make sense? Here's another verse. 1 Peter 1, 13-16 says this. Wherefore, Peter says, Gird up the loins of your mind. That word gird just means like to, to pick up, to lift up, to, to get up. Gird, hold, fasten, secure. Prepare, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning or putting yourselves together according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. Listen, listen, I'm going to whisper it. But as he which hath called you is holy, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God says, I'm holy. I'm separate from the world. I'm separate from sin. And He says, You belong to me. Be separate. Don't be like the world. Don't be like sin, people who love sin. Don't engage in that. You ought to be separated, just like Aaron was. Make sense? Here's an example. A soldier, right? This is how we can practicalify it, okay? A soldier, somebody in your, in your school, there's tons of these kids. They're like, you know what? I'm 17, I'm going to the Marines. That's a very honorable, admirable thing. 
Marines. But tell me this, that 17-year-old, when they say, I'm going to the Marines, does he sign a piece of paper and then the recruiters are like, great, we've got a flight for you to the, to the battle right now. Do they do that? No, what do they do? Oh, they prepare you. They separate you, actually. They say, you want to sign up for this? You want to be a servant of our country? Okay, great. Sign this dotted line, and now you're coming to boot camp for, Tiffany, how long? Nine weeks. That's like a, several months. I don't know how many months it is, but it's a lot. Two and a half months. Two and a half months of doing what? Work, preparation, training, separating yourself, changing who you were into who you will now be as a servant of your country. Okay, you and I as servants, we're called to be separated, we're called to be prepared, we're called to engage, to gird up the loins of our mind so that we can be servants of God. And that's what a servant of God is. So check it. Key point number one. Write this down on that piece of paper that... um, Dream gave you. Write this down. A servant of God lives a different lifestyle from the lost. A servant of God lives a different lifestyle from the lost. You ought to go to school and your lifestyle should look dramatically different from the people who you know don't believe in God, don't love God. Does that make sense? As different as night is from day. That's what a servant of God looks like. Tracking with me? Still awake? Cool. Wasn't that cool? Bible's cool, man. Bible just opens itself up. You can see how we're just like Aaron. And we can apply that. We can go to school tomorrow and think, man, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to be like the kid who's cussing up a storm because he thinks it's cool and he doesn't know enough words to sound intelligent. You can go to school and instead of talking about all the sex and drugs you did this weekend, you could talk about how you studied your Bible at church. Instead of talking trash on all your teachers, you can go to school and say, man, I may not like all of my teachers, but I'm just going to do my best because I want to graduate and get up out of here. You could be different. That's relieving to me. Okay, check this out. So we got Aaron. Now let's get Moses. What did it say about Moses? Moses, the man of God. This is incredible. Watch what the Bible does here. Okay, there are seven... We got Moses, the man of God. There are seven men of God where they're called, they're labeled in Scripture. What I found was there's seven people who were, who were labeled man, a man of God. A man of God. So what I did is I looked through those names and then I figured out what their names meant. And then, and then that was like, holy moly. That's what a man of God looks like. Check it out. Number one, Moses. Moses was a man of God. What do you think Moses' name means? Did you see it? Nate Fife is a studier. Holy moly, yes. Moses means drawn. Okay? So does that mean like God drew a picture of him and then he was drawn? No, it means like, check this out. Lauren, come here. I just asked Lauren to come up here. What was she? She was drawn up 
front thanks that's great <laughs> great illustration okay she was drawn okay who is it who is Moses drawn of God drew Moses to himself because he wanted to use him to lead the children of Israel Moses was simply surrendered to whatever God was leading I'm drawn to God that's what a man of God or a woman of God looks like they're drawn to God they don't resist when God says hey come to me does that make sense that's pretty neat. Moses means drawn. How about this guy? Shemaiah. Oh, yeah. Shemaiah. What do you think Shemaiah means? I don't either. Shimei. Shemaiah is from Jamaica. That didn't rhyme. Shem- you get it. What do you think it means? Shemaiah. <laughs> okay. We've got some cheaters in the back. Okay, yes. Shemaiah means heard by Jehovah. Yeah, heard by Jehovah is just one of the names of God. Good dream. Heard by Jehovah. So check this out. Hey, Philip, what's up? Did you nothing? Did you just hear me? How did you hear me? Okay. So what did I do to be heard by Philip? I spoke. So what does a man of God do? Speaks to who? You said it. It was in your mouth. I didn't tell you. You said it. Okay, a man of God is one who talks and communicates with God. A man of God casts his care upon God, knowing that God cares for him. That's 1 Peter 5, 7. Because I know that I've got these burdens, I've got these situations, I've got requests, I've got all this stuff going on, I've got to talk to God about it. I've got to talk to God about it. That's what a man of God or a woman of God does. Does that make sense? How about Elijah? Hey, Elijah, where are you? Elijah, what's your name mean? Yeah, I'm a couple of weeks Don't know. Never looked. That's okay. The Lord, the Lord is something, or the Lord does something. I, I would say. I, I just know that sometimes, like I, that's the Lord most so. Okay, that's good. That's a good thought. Okay, so Elijah means my God is Jehovah. My God is Jehovah. Check this out. Good morning, sir. Check this out. Many of you come here. Um, with your parents. I would say the majority of people in here came here with their parents. Okay? And, and consider this. Okay? You come to church with your parents. I'm going to ask you a hard question. And I don't want you to answer out loud. If your parents stopped going to Midtown and you had a way of transportation, would you come here to church? Let me ask you a different question. Okay? So you're thinking about that. Would I actually come to Midtown? Okay, let me ask you another question. If your parents, or us, or anybody else you know, never encouraged or said, hey, you should read your Bible, would you do it? I don't know. Would you read your Bible? I mean, maybe, maybe the question is, do you read your Bible? I don't know. I'm asking these questions because here's, here's the reality. Okay. Elijah... His name means, my God is Jehovah. Not my daddy's God is Jehovah. Not my mama's God is Jehovah. My God. He's mine personally. 
Does that make sense? And there's a transition in youth and teens where you go from, like Josie, my oldest daughter. She's the oldest. She's two and a half. She knows very little about God. um, But she does know that mommy and daddy, we pray, we tell Bible stories every night. We talk about God. We pray before we eat. We try to tell her about God. Okay, at this stage, if she could articulate it and, and put one and one together to make two, she would say that God is her parents' God, that Jehovah is our God, not her God, right? She's a baby. You are not a baby. You're transitioning out of that where you have to make a decision. Is Jesus my Lord? Is He who I'm going to follow, not just my home that I've grown up in? Does that make sense? A man of God says, He's my God. What does Elisha mean? Elijah means he's my God. What is Elisha? That was Elijah's homie. Huh? My Jehovah is God. Just flip it a little bit. Jehovah my God is. It's God is... Really? Really interesting. Here's what it is. God is salvation. God is salvation. So check this out. A man or a woman of God has this state of mind. They have this state of mind. They're at peace with this reality. Okay, this is, this is one of the most important realities that you'll ever come to understand. Okay. You see these fingers? This means it's important. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm clearing the fog. Okay. This is important. God is my salvation. This is the mentality you have if you're a man of God. That you cannot do it. You can't do it. You say you can't do what? What are you talking about? Yes. Anything. You can't do anything. You're like, yes, I can. All right. Well, at some point, we all have to come to the place, to the realization that my job, my ministry, my family, I can't do it, man. God has to save me. He saved my soul from hell. He saved me from my sin. But God has to save me every day, bro. Seriously, He has to save me every day. I can't keep up with life. I'm incapable of doing all things well. I'm incapable of loving you guys. I'm incapable of investing and growing my family. I'm incapable of husbanding my wife. I can't do it all. Because there's no good thing that dwelleth in my flesh. I can't do it. But God is salvation. God can do it. He can. Does that make sense? My brother, Kenny... You probably see him. I talk about him often. But his testimony is beautiful. My brother was doing drugs. He was uh, having sex. He was doing all the crazy stuff because it was just really fun. He had a lot of fun. Um, And he wrecked and ruined a lot of things. A lot of things. And Kylie and I, I was particularly burdened for my brother. You know, I love my brother. He's my big brother. I look up to him, you know. And uh, we were really tight. But I knew my brother was doing this. He was ruining his life. I could see it. I could see he had, there was no path in front of him that was going anywhere good. Nowhere. And I got really burdened. That made me really sad. It was, it was heavy to me. I couldn't stop thinking about it. You know what I mean? And so what I did was, what did I do? Did I solve it? Did I save him? 
No, not at all. What I did was I said, God, it's hopeless. I can't do it. And except you move, God, except you save my brother, he's going to hell, and I will be separated from him for eternity. And I'm not okay with it. But God, I can't do anything. God, you have to be salvation. And guess what God did? God is salvation. He is, man. And a man of God or a woman of God recognizes that. They say, yup, God is salvation. Does that make sense? David, check this out. What do you think his name means? He's famous. Huh? Beloved. Lauren's a studier. Yes. I got to make sure you guys aren't cheating. Like Nate and Lauren. Super studiers. Make sure it's not up there. Beloved. What does that mean? It means... Yeah, right. It means you're loved, right? Okay. Who loved David the most? Oh, uh, yeah, God, right? Okay, so let me tell you this. If you're a man or a woman of God, here's another mentality or another state of mind you have. You know, you're confident, you believe. You might struggle with it sometimes, but you're resolved that you are loved. God loves you. He loves you, man. People in this room, people in your life, people in your school, people in your family, people in the rest of the church, they might not make you feel like that. You might think that they don't love you. That they don't love you, that God doesn't love you, that nobody loves you. You might feel that from somebody. But it's not true. They might not love you. Okay, well, Mama said, Mama said, what other people think about you is... None of your business. Okay, Mama says, whatever they think about you, what other people think about you is none of your business. But you know what is your business? This is very personally your business. God loves you so much. You just got to believe it. You just got to know that. And a man or woman of God does. Next one, Andre Iguodala. Iguodala, his name means MVP. Igdalo, Ig, Ig, his name is actually Igdalia, Igdalia, Igdalia. What do you think his name means? Okay, Jehovah is great. That's what it means. Andre Igdalla. Uh, that's a basketball player. For those of you who are like, "What are you doing, dude?" Okay, so his name is Jehovah is great. The man or woman of God acknowledges and recognizes and believes and lives and owns that Jehovah is great. He's great. He's above all things. He's better than all things. You with me? He's great. And lastly, old Timothy. Good old Timothy. Timmy. Old Timmy boy. What do you think Timothy means? What do you think? Loves Jesus. Good guess. I want to start calling Elijah. My my God is Jehovah. Uh, my God is Jehovah. What did you say? What do you think of that? <laughs> Timothy. Huh? Jehovah is cool. That's you were close if you would have said that for Andre Godala. But okay, Timothy means it's simple. It means honoring God. 
honoring God. A man or a woman of God is someone whose life, whose actions, whose, whose words, whose thought life, whose uh, affections, whose relationships, that person's life is honoring to God. They're bent on, they want to, as our Pastor Sam says, their want to is set to honoring God. Whatever I do, I want it to lift up God. God's name. Does that make sense? A man or a woman of God's life is to honor God. Okay, so these people. This sounds impossible, right? How can we do all of this? You and me, we're not Moses. We're not Elijah and Elisha. We're not David. We're not Timothy. But check this out. That's okay. Because an important note here is none of these men were perfect. In fact, these men of God had committed murder. They had directly disobeyed God. They had susceptibility to deceit. In other words, they were easily persuaded to do evil. Right? They were depressed. They were adulterous. They were jacked up. All of them. You can read through their lives. They were afraid. Well, that sounds like you and me. Right? Yeah? Well, that's good news because this leaves great hope for us to be qualified and called men and women of God. We're jacked up. So were they. They were called, God said in His Word, He said, the man of God next to their name. That's tight. You and me, we can be men of God. All we do is we'll embrace that. So 1 Timothy 6, 10-12 talks about, uh, he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, the things of your flesh, the things of the past, the things of the world, but follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight. A man of God says, I'm done with this life and I'm going this way. I'm going to just fight it. I'm going to go. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We get, we get God's Word. God gave us this because it's an impossible task. He says, hey, I got you. This is that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Perfect. And all good, all good works. That makes sense? You got everything you need. We got each other. got the Bible. God's Spirit, we're good. Let's do it. Okay, key point number two. As I said in so many words, a man of God embraces his identity as one who belongs to God. That's all it is. A man of God embraces who he is. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not telling you you need to do these different steps to be a man of God. I'm saying just believe what God says about you. Just believe what God says about you. Some of you, uh, me included, if the task to be, to be considered a man of God was you have to read your Bible at a certain time every day and that you have to pray for a certain number of hours every day and you had to witness, share the gospel with a certain number of people each week, we wouldn't be considered men of God, would we? We'd be screwed. I'd be like a man not of God. I'd be like the opposite, right? I fail every day. God doesn't say you got to do these things. He says, be who I say you are. Just believe you are who I've made you to be. With me? 
All right, I'm going to pick up the pace here. First Chronicles 23, verse 30. If you'd flip there, I got it pulled up here. If you're, if you're you know, new to opening the Bible, that's cool. You can just check it out up here. You can find it in your Bible too. It's good practice. Here's what it says in verse 30. These Levites, this is what they were to do. These are kind of the praise band type people. There's about 4,000 4, people who were to take instruments and play praise. Here's what it says. And to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord and likewise at evening, even. So in the morning they get up and they stand and they thank and they praise. And then at even, or evening, they stand, they thank and they praise. So servants of the Lord stand, thank and praise through the day. Acts five seventeen through 20, here's what it says. Disciples were getting persecuted, life was rough, circumstances were terrible, and God said, hey, I know your life sucks right now. I know your life sucks. Here's what he told them in verse, uh, in verse 20. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors because they were in prison for talking about Jesus. You ever been in trouble for talking about Jesus? I haven't. You have? That's awesome. So, so, so some of you, maybe you've been in trouble. Maybe you've gotten like in trouble from an employee or from whatever. Okay. The angel of the Lord opened the prison doors. They're in prison. And brought them forth. And he could have said, Hey, man, really great job. You got thrown in prison for talking about Jesus. You need to take a break. Like that probably stressed you out. You probably have PTSD. You've been in prison. You guys know what prisons are like? Oh my goodness. You need to just go home, put your feet up, maybe read your Bible for a little bit, put on some praise music, and just take a break. Just relax. God could have said that. They went to prison. Here's what God said to him. He opened the doors and he said, Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Circumstances suck. Stand up. Get up. Stand. You're not resting. You're not sleeping. We're children of the... We're children of the... Day. day. Stand up, right? Key point number three. A servant of the Lord stands in the armor of God. You don't stand in your own power, in your own flesh. You you put on the armor of God. But a a servant of the Lord stands in the armor of God against spiritual opposition. Against spiritual opposition. So as you're jotting that down, I'll tell you what, man. if, If you, you know, if you're processing and thinking, I want to count. For Christ, I want to be a part of the Great Commission. I want to use, I want God to use my life. If that's you, I can tell you this. There's going to be spiritual opposition. Our memory verse says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities? Against powers? Against what? Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said rulers? Rulers? Of what? Of the darkness. Okay, so you and I wrestle against rulers of the darkness. That doesn't sound like we're just fighting against principles and concepts. We're wrestling against rulers of the darkness. Hello, somebody. That's creepy. You guys watch your horror movies and you're like, oh my goodness, that scared me. (laughs) But check this out. All that creepy stuff is real. 
And can I submit to you that those horror movies are made to numb you to the concept that there are rulers of the darkness wanting to wage war with you. And we're called to wrestle against that. But a servant of the Lord stands up with the armor of God on and says, no, no, no. You're not beating me. I'm standing up. Does that make sense? That's creepy, y'all. We put on the armor of God and we stand against spiritual opposition. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, that's the chapter that uh, Pastor Sam is preaching through. But here's what it says. Servant of the Lord stands, but then in, in verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, In everything give what? In everything give thanks. Bible students say aloud, In everything give thanks. thanks. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What does God want you to do in everything that happens to you? Give thanks. God wants you to have a thankful heart. That's tough to do, isn't it? That's tough. When you're being spiritually attacked, when you're going through it, that's tough. Key point number four, a servant of the Lord gives thanks through spiritual opposition. Gives thanks through spiritual opposition. Some of you are going through spiritual opposition. Even this morning, maybe. Maybe this morning you're like, listen, I was having fun talking about my movies, but now you're talking about the Bible and I'm like, mm, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we could just talk about the movies again. Okay, let me tell you. I get that, man. I get that. Movies are great. I love talking about movies. But maybe you feel like, I would just rather not do this Bible thing. I'm only here because I have to be. Can I tell you or submit to you that maybe you've got some spiritual opposition happening in your life? Because you know who doesn't want you to open the Word and receive it? You know who doesn't want you to believe the Bible? Your flesh doesn't want you to believe the Bible. The world doesn't want you to believe the Bible. And who else doesn't want you to believe the Bible? The devil. I got you. So, as Doreen said, the devil doesn't want us to enjoy, to take in, to receive, to obey, to follow the Bible. He doesn't want that. So, if you're feeling like, man, I don't want to do it. Well, maybe you need to die to your flesh. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to give thanks. So, Ready for this? We've got three minutes. And I'm going to read 22 verses. You won't. Say I won't. Please don't talk about those in here. Alright, open your Bible. you got to follow along, otherwise you'll fall asleep. Open up to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So it's just the next book over. Nate loves this. He likes when we read long passages. It's a long passage, guy. Wait, 21? 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles capitulo 20. Did I say that right? Nailed it. Going to Costa Rica, are you? (laughs) What? Chapter 20, verses 1 through 22. All right, let's make this easy. Okay. What did those, let's refer back to our verse from 1 Chronicles chapter 23, verse 30. It said, and to stand, we covered that. Servants of the Lord, we stand. Every morning we get up. 
Because we're children of the day. Because spiritual opposition might come, but I'm throwing my armor on and I'm standing up. I'm standing in the faith. I'm not going to let the world wreck my day. I'm not going to let the world wreck my testimony. I'm not going to let the world wreck my ministry. We stand up. Quit ye like men. Right? And then, every morning to thank and praise the Lord. So we got to thank the Lord every day. As servants of the Lord, we thank the Lord through everything. And check this out. Second Chronicles 21 through 22. I'm going to read it nice and slow. Here we go. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of... I wrote that. That the children of Moab and the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Jehoshaphat's sitting there. These guys come in to battle him. They want to kill him. Okay. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazantamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to what? To run and hide? set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Hey, we just finished the fast. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. There's a battle coming. He's like, I, got it. I need the Lord. I can't do this. Everybody, we're fasting. We're going to ask the Lord to help us. Even out of all, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein. And have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. He says, Didn't you go before us? You got us here. We built the sanctuary and we said, We come here when we got into trouble, and you would save us. So here we are, God. You see what he's doing? See how it's playing out? So what happens? This text is tiny. And now, here it is. Behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sire, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast, out, uh, cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. They're trying to mess you up. They're trying to throw you off. You want to go preach the gospel, but they're trying to ignore you. They're trying to get you in trouble. They're trying to make fun of you. He says, Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. Have you been there? Have you been in that place where you're like, God, it, it sucks and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'll tell you this. 
Sometimes, in this class, that's how I feel. If I could be transparent with you, some of you, I'm desperate. I'm desperate because I have no idea. I don't know what to do. I have no might. Some of you, you haven't given your heart to the Lord, and that's what I've given my life to. I go to work through the week to make money so that I can do this on the weekend. And so it burdens me. It's heavy that some of you haven't said, you know, I'm all in, Lord, whatever you have. And that's what I'm burdened for, that you would say that. That's what we, the counselors, want more than anything, is that you would just say, God, you got this. I've been there. Have you been there? Where you're desperate. Where you're, where you're saying, God, you got to do this. It's impossible. That's where Jehoshaphat's at. And neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. So God tells somebody something, gives them an insight. And he said, Hearken ye. All Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you. Here's what he says to us We got to go to battle tomorrow, and this is what God says Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. The battle's not yours. Your Bible study being successful, the battle's not yours. You seeing your sibling saved, the battle is not yours. Whose is it? The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to do it. Set yourselves. Stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. I think I lost my spot. Can't see through these water droplets somebody put in my eyes. Go out against him, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites, of the children of the Kohathites, and of the children of the Korites, stood up. They stood up. God said, I got this. Jehoshaphat's like, alright, alright boys, let's get the praise band up here. They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth unto the wilderness of Tekoa. And they went forth. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers. Kylie, if you want to come up, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. He says, Hey guys, praise man, come on. We've got a war. Praise man, come on, lead us in worship. And when they began to sing and to praise, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon. Moab, 
and Mount Sarah, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Key point number five. Here's your last point. A servant of God praises the Lord against spiritual opposition. The best thing that you and I can do in an impossible situation, maybe it's a relationship failure, maybe it's... um, Maybe it's a, a family member that's wayward. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. I don't know what your impossible situation is. But you do. And I can tell you this. The option, the only option, the only option is to praise the Lord. Because in your praise to the Lord, God says, I got it. You don't got to do it. I got it. This is my battle, not yours. I want that. That's what I want, man. I can't do it anyways. And neither can you. And so I want to invite you. Let's stand. We're going to praise. We're going to engage with what the Word says. If you know you need prayer, if you know you need to engage in praise and worship battle, let's do that. Don't leave. You can't leave yet. You actually have to stay in here for worship because you're not dismissed for another 10 minutes. And so let's take care of business. I love you guys. Let's praise the Lord. Made away, Jonathan. Let's just we get started before they get oh they right. standing here not knowing how we'll get through this test but holding on to faith you know best. Nothing can catch you by surprise. You've got this figure.